don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. It's basically unpaid for advertising. It's free editorial. We were joined by Nikki Bannerman, who is a PR publicist with years of experience in the PR industry. She's worked for international brands across health, fitness and entertainment, including Virgin, Blockbuster and Warner. And she also hosts the Influential Women podcast. Yeah, she used to be able to draw the line between marketing and PR. But now in 2019, that line is completely blurred, especially with the rise of social and podcasting. And we live in a world now where people can react in real time, where journalists have to get their news quicker than ever. So how has PR evolved over that time and where are we heading to now? Definitely there's always a counter story for a story and there's always a for and against. All this and more, coming up. How can marketers generate press attention from social first campaigns? Well, you guys are the experts on that, aren't you, in terms of when things happen organically, it's incredibly exciting. When you guys do a story on social media and it trends the way it does, the way you guys do it, and it's everywhere and explodes and it's been clicked left, right and centre, the press pick up on it. They're not silly. They, mm. They're always watching. They, they pick up on it, as you've sort of demonstrated. But the hard way is when the PRs are, are trying to do it themselves, obviously. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of your campaigns, um, I mean, you've had a lot of relevant modern ones, but uh, the Find It With Nike conversation you did with ASOS a few years ago. Yeah, that was a good one. It was just exploding clicks, engagement, the tech and industry headlines, fashion-focused trendsetters, the speed of that and the way the press picked up on it. That mm. was an organic example of how PR just works naturally in the press, as you do. But the traditional and competitive but not easy way uh, to do the PR is by doing it yourself or obviously getting a PR agency to mm. do it. You have to be innovative. You have to be topical. You have to be creative. And I would recommend that people do work with you guys up front because a lot of people think of social media last and how they can communicate the content. Whereas if they get you involved at the beginning and how the consumers will react and how the audiences will cope and how strap lines are important or hashtags mm then everything can work you know, as a cohesive strategy from a marketing and PR point of view and have more effective results. I, you, you raise a good point then, Nikki, as well, because, like, you know, for us, it, it, and we've seen this trend nowadays of, you know, build it and they will come. You do something big yeah. and the press will look at it. But there seems to be, like, the press do still play a role, don't mm. they? How does that work now? Oh, is it the, the anonymous tip-offs? Is it the... And, and how yeah. has that changed over time? Oh, gosh, they, def they definitely play a role. I mean, obviously, if there's a massive event or cause in the, that is trending in the press, particularly if it's something huge, then, you know, you avoid the press in terms of there's no point trying to compete with that for the headlines. But you can maximise a theme that's unfolding. So I look literally when I wake up every day on Twitter, what's trending, mm. what's in the news. If you've got a client you're representing, how can I maximise that? Um, to give you an example, I, I'm passionate about human interest stories and health and wellness and have represented various people on that front and my podcast, of course. Um, a while ago, I was representing a mental toughness coach as a publicist and she was a guest on my Influential Women podcast. Um, 
I saw trending that morning that the previous night's programme on Horizon had Dr. Mosley, who was talking about the placebo effect of the power of the mind and positive thinking and how that worked. So I immediately wrote a press release, fired it out to everyone, phoned the Daily Express, said, gosh, look at this woman, it's amazing, mental toughness coach, miraculously used the power of her mind to come back from meningitis, was told she'd never walk again, and cured herself and is now in the gym six days a week and blah, blah, blah. I got a double-page spread. Mm. Um, Because if you're topical, if you're on trend, if you've got experts and non-experts, if you've got for and against arguments, if you're helping the journalists with their job, doing what people want to hear, Mm. then you're immediately open to that sort of conversation. So what you're saying is you source the stories from social media now pretty much. There are some stories that you can just source direct from there. Well, it's not so much the stories, it's literally you look at what's trending, what's the hashtag, what are the subjects? So I would look at Twitter and I can do that on my phone now for you, um, what the subjects are. And if something's really high up, you think, oh, people are interested, what what is it? Mm. So if there's a theme that you think, oh, there's a theme on positive thinking, Mm. how can I use that to Mm. give my client an advantage or my podcast an advantage or something I'm representing as a product from a marketing PR point of view? How can I utilize that as the story unfolds? Because that'll be around for a few hours or a few days. Mm. So do it now. So if a story broke that was trending, like it was a couple of days ago, you know, um, World Suicide Prevention Day, you know, Virgin trains what they did with platforms to put a wonderful life words on the platform and worked with the Samaritans as a campaign, things like that to bring front of mind awareness to help people and to be topical. Mm. You know, awareness days works well, trends, things that people are worried about or thinking mm. about, mm. and then working with them. And what about the big PR stunts as well that we see? Because they seem to, you know, PR stunts seem to spring out of kind of nowhere. And, you know, is it even called a PR stunt now when you can take a picture of something on social and broadcast it out to all your followers anyway? Yeah, it's tougher with stunts as it's hard to be convincing. They need to be bigger and bigger and better and better and they're costing more and more to really get noticed and to Mm. cut through. But spontaneous reactions work well. Um, So, for instance, the Carlsberg poster that um, in Brick Lane that was done a a few years ago um, that had the hashtag probably the best poster in the world in Brick Lane gave away free beer. And within one day, I think they had three million tweets. You know, um, well, what, what do you think stunts... of um, of print then these days? Does that still hold weight? Yes. So in terms of print, it makes sense to research and know your audience and your message and to target the right journalists, um, particularly with something human and emotional that you guys do and, and I do. You know, it's getting that connection, getting something meaningful and on brand. And literally phoning them up, developing those relationships, networking, finding the Mm. right person, because these journalists are really busy, you know, they get 3000 emails a day with press releases or communications, and they don't even open them if they don't know your name. Um, Some of them like a phone call, um, but only if it's the right time, not if they're on deadline, not if it's the wrong time of day, not if, if they're busy, not if you don't communicate your message within two lines. Do you think uh, print is still like beneficial? Say even if you do get your story in the paper, like obviously was it this week, Marie Claire ceased printing. Exactly, um, exactly. We have a lot of um, 
people on social now say like we put out something big or the, there's a notable story to share um, and people will have it landed in press but then they'll only get it in press for the purpose of sharing that press on social to sort of get the extra eyeballs because there's weight still in like the names of certain titles um, so when you see that say on your LinkedIn feed oh so and so has been in the drum that's really impressive you're actually more likely to reach them that way but now the role of the press isn't the eyeballs because you get that on social. It is the kudos sort of that goes with it. What do you it, think about it, that? That's exactly what I was going to say. Mm. It, is, it is the kudos, um, definitely, because being in print, you know, it's there's the digital and reactive element that we talked about. The media landscape's changing so much, but being in print, as you said, Marie Claire, you know, they sadly stopped printing because they said that influencers and Instagrammers are having such yeah. a huge effect. And it is sad. But then I took that as an example because that was trending actually yesterday online and I'm obsessed with trending. And uh, I literally thought, right, I'll check how they reacted to their PR. So I went straight to their website, the TI Media website, and on the homepage they had all videos and articles with talking about smart, compelling content for women that want to think smart and look amazing was their strap line. Um, their headline was that they had 10 platforms, one brand empowering women with compelling content since 1988. Mm. So I thought, brilliant, they've turned what could, could have been perceived as a negative, they're in trouble, gosh, magazines, print, everything's dying, you know, disaster. Yeah. And they've turned it into a positive that actually, they launched a year ago, a digital platform, the same as Instagram have started, you know, clicking through doing affiliate sales. So actually, it's a positive. They're saving money. Advertisers aren't putting their money there. Yeah. You know, PRs don't need to have it and yeah. wait three or four months for that particular audience, yeah. for that particular product. They're moving with the times. And if you look at marketing and obviously PR and social and everything as part of marketing, if you don't look at the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, and that includes the environmental threats and what's happening mm. digitally and how is the media landscape and the product platforms changing and don't move with the times mm. then then you can't keep up but they're illustrating actually and I thought well what do their what do their communications online tell us and I thought right oh I looked on their twitter feeds and all their twitter feeds were about their awards and I thought there was no mention at all of of I thought that's interesting from a PR spin they're saying trust and credibility on their social platforms and they're saying heritage new product offerings innovation and women focus on their homepage platforms. Mm. So they're, they're totally giving a positive message and they haven't lost any customers. So if you do a PR from a, you turn a negative, a potential negative into a positive quickly, yeah. or you're reactive in PR on social through an ambassador or a spokesman or someone you've trained to handle crisis PR and you react quickly, mm with facts and information and reassurance and reasons, then mm. job done because I'm, it I'm, doesn't give time to unravel. And I'm glad you mentioned that as well, because again, slightly, you know, maybe ever so slightly off script, but, yeah. you know, want to know your opinion on the role of PR within that crisis management now for yeah. brands, because we've seen that it unfolds a lot more quickly Definitely. on social media. Mm, so definitely. if I was said brand and I were to, you know, yeah. do something that irked my followers, what would your yes. sort of... You know, what would you, well, your steps would you take? Well, interesting, actually, because it's exactly how it's always been in terms of crisis PR strategies. You know, I worked for New Market when they launched Ladies' Day. And around that time, you know, there were a few setbacks and Frankie Dettori had a plane crash. Um, 
which was awful. And what you have to be prepared for with any sort of PR or any sort of management is that the PRs have to have their phone on 24-7 because anything can happen at any time. You have to do crisis PR management so that all of you are prepared and you work through what-if scenarios. So what-if and you brainstorm all the disasters that could possibly happen Mm. to your company, how would you cope with that? Who would be the spokesperson? Who's trained in media training? Who's going to talk to the press first? And then you have a strategy Mm. so that if anything happens, and even now... You need a quicker strategy. Because um, of social. Yeah. Because of social. So, no, you know, th- things, reactive PR. Yes, with Lewis Capaldi, for instance, the singer-songwriter, I don't know if you yeah. saw yeah. him, was heavily criticised by Noel Gallagher. He got his own back online using humour oh, yeah. on Twitter and on stage at Glastonbury <laughs> to respond. And he even changed his Twitter profile of being referred to as Tubebacker to be called Chewis Capaldi. <laughs> and people like him for that. He stood up for himself. Mm. He uses humour. It was entertaining. And I think he's ended up by being reactive really quickly uh, and saying Happy Father's Day online to Noel Gallagher. And, you know, he's he's yeah. made himself look cool and funny, funny and, and, yeah. and likeable. That will have been just him, though. That won't yeah. have been a PR doing it for him. Well, that's true. That's true. Although... I, I think he would have been working with his PRs to Yeah, do well, he's probably I, got an I, agent. I, yes. What interests me is you mentioned, obviously, PRs have always been trained in crisis management. But yeah. now um, in agencies like ours, we have people like social media managers and community yeah. managers who are, have to be trained in the same thing because now people's first port of call is to complain via Twitter. Um, and a lot of agencies don't um, even have... Um, PRs now because these community managers are the first ones on the ground. Do you think that um, like is going to hinder the PR industry uh, in terms of the future or is it just changing? I think it's really just changing. It's just different people having different roles mm. and um, you, the client might ask you to react on their behalf because they know that you're the experts and you know how to do that quickly yeah. and you have lines already prepared Um that should things happen, which they do, you know, people use, uh, as uh, you've been quoted for saying online, you know, Facebook for happy stories and Twitter for, mm-hmm. you know, griping and moaning and complaining. <laughs> on. So, uh, but one of the radio guys that I saw speak at a conference, actually when uh, Stephen Bartlett spoke at it, said, you know, if, if people aren't complaining about you, then, you know, you're not as big as somebody yet. You mm-hmm. know, they, they have to do both. And uh, the old PR saying was, you know, Today's news is yesterday's, mm. it's tomorrow's fish and chip papers, you know, that yeah. you don't worry. As long as you come back with a, you know, credible, reassuring thing for your brand and the brand is okay and that there's no serious damage done, mm. then if it's humour today, it's forgotten about you'll have, you'll, you'll have seen that as well, Nikki. Probably a lot of brands recently, they, it's, it's almost like they go out of their way to stoke the fires and to create a, yeah. create a bit of controversy. Oh, they do. And yeah, I suppose they, they always some have, the, but now yes, you see some on of them, Twitter that's their strategy. social media, it's, yes. it's so much you know, more, isn't some it? Some of the PR stunts, you know, you talked about when we had a chat on a previous occasion about Paddy Power and things like that. They want mm. those controversial, memorable stunts or, mm. you know, it depends on the strategy and the positioning platform and the brand association, the personality, really, behind the brand as to what they want to convey mm. and uh, how they communicate that through, do you think it's through their channels. As, um, do you think it's as effective as 
it has always been that sort of controversial strategy. Gosh, I think it's one that has to be managed carefully mm. and with the right uh, experts uh, yeah. behind and in front of you, really. Yeah, because we've seen consumers on social, like people's audiences, like Theo said, it happens quite frequently now. And I don't know if that was always the case, but people seem to be a lot more um, like easily annoyed by it these days and they can see through it a bit better. Like yeah. They're meant to be because, savvy. You know, and... Consumers, they're not stupid. They can spot inauthenticity a mile away. Mm. Um, you've got to be genuine and not photoshopped or phony or fake. They can tell if something's, you know, untrue or wrong and disinformation or a, or a hoax. Um, that's not the right way to get attention. I think mm. what the right way is to get attention is have, if you've got a killer idea for a story, then, you know, don't sit on it, pitch it, get your elevator pitch honed. And in fact, that's what I was talking to you about earlier, that um, there's a little sort of nail it in eight words in terms of, what you do as a company that you can communicate through social or whatever. So I'd say I present podcasts, produce events and publicize personalities. Mm. You know, it would be eight. If you've got an elevator or a party pitch in three seconds, I'd use 20 words. So I host present a podcast on influential women, produce live events, write and voice and publicize health and wellness clients. So it's it's just having, you know, a message in as few words as possible from a mm. PR point of view. Nikki, what, what I want to touch on quickly as well, because we've sort of mentioned the different PRs and, you know, from my sort of small experience of having seen the PR world, I can see how PR would work for promoting a new film, how it worked for getting a politician out of uh, hot water because they've been involved in some 3am scandal. Um, but when we talk about brands now and, you know, even the agency aside, when we talk about brands and branded PR, where does PR sit now as opposed to where it probably did in the, you know, the advertising days? Not the advertising days, but, you know, the 90s, the, 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 golden, time, age. the golden age, as they say, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because I imagine they were quite close together. But what it seems to me is that a lot of brands almost, can I say, self-PRing themselves? Yeah. Well, well, they are. They are and they can. I mean, you can get straight to, you know, a CEO of a company and and they're open to sort of invasion, as it were, or, you know, everyone can be their own PR, as you say. It has changed. I mean, a long time ago, uh, it used to be called above the line and below the line and everything below the line was direct marketing and direct mail. And PR was the unpaid for um form of advertising. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was a big question as, well, is social media part of PR or is PR part of social media mm -hmm. or has started because obviously they're both free in mm -hmm. essence because they're not paid for so they don't sit with advertising. And now I think it's almost like the line has gone away and it's a total communications mix of you all have to work together and have the same, you know, use those skills, use the creative, use the innovation, get the message right mm -hmm. and get the reaction right and the prediction for what the customer's going to do or all of it will be wrong. Mm. See, I find that very interesting. When mm. Even in the early days of social, you know, being a PR and, and sort of enjoying the kind of uh, world you've lived in, did you see social as a, as a threat in any way, as a sort of, hmm, okay, right, so... I, I think for ages it was a sort of... It was almost like a what is that, you know, and and <laughs> and trying to understand about the different audiences because mm. there were the, the audiences were very different. People used to say, you know, Facebook is for the older profile mm. and Twitter is for the news profile and Instagram is for the young profile, but it's all blended mm. and uh, and now actually across across the board, you know, all the, 
the older population that are actually really big online now, aren't they? And, yeah. the, and the young are really massively into podcasts. You know, it. so mm. it's all really exciting and really dynamic. Because seemingly um, before that, it was probably a one to person conversation where oh, we'd get definitely. news from newspapers, from TV, from adverts from there. Well, people would think of TV, they'd say, are we going to advertise on TV? You know, I used to have massive marketing budgets in the film, music and entertainment industry, publishing industry. Do I spend the money on TV or print or billboards or a combination? And then I'll think about direct marketing and PR and uh, you know, everything else. Whereas now it's completely different. I mean, Back in the day, you know, there were big budgets. It was really personal, as I mentioned about um, PR with the, I launched Ladies' Day at Newmarket. Well, I literally wrote a press release and sent it out by fax, which people would say, <laughs> what the hell is that now? That literally you would get this noise and this paper came through the machine to where you are. Yeah. And, and it was by hand. And the journalists and celebrities all immediately phoned me back. And we literally had so much publicity when the Queen opened it. We had all the regionals, all the women's magazines, all the newspapers, all the TV stations mm. and all the celebrities. They were all there because they hadn't had an exciting piece of paper that had yeah. come through for ages. It's just a way of reaching people, isn't it? I guess it we've come is. back to the name. It's almost it a bit yeah. obvious at public relations. You're just facing the public, be it online or off. That's exactly what it is. And it's back to, it, down to communities, which is what you do. It's communities. It's micro communities. Mm -hmm. That's what my podcast does. It's finding your tribe and speaking the right language to your mm. tribe. And there's no point with a brand phoning completely the wrong newspaper or the wrong audience or phoning a broadsheet newspaper if it's a story that's suitable for a tabloid newspaper. And do people phone nowadays, though, Nikki? Because I, I saw a stat, and this is one that me and Eva are talking about, about uh, over a third of uh, journalists and PRs, they, they use social to communicate now. Is, is, is there any need for the little black book that we hear about, yeah. you know, the, so godly in PR? Well, they do. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Um, I think there's the, a need the for both, to be honest. There's, there's a need for both. And I quite often find guests for the podcast through social. Mm -hmm. So I will tweet, you know, Beyonce, Oprah, if you're ever in town, you know, please be on my podcast. You know, that may <laughs> or may not, that that may or may that, not yeah. have worked. But um, but Judy Murray, it worked. You know, online, I've, I've found a lot of celebrity guests mm -hmm. who, who I have tweeted literally direct and I haven't got their direct message, um, you know, details, they have to follow me back for me to be able to send them a DM. Mm -hmm. So I say, oh, if, if you're interested, then I follow them back. It is a brilliant way of communicating. And if you put a hashtag journal request or yeah. PR request, you know, then immediately it does go straight to the desks. Yeah. And I've, you know, seen the news desks as, as news comes in. They do read stuff. They yeah. do watch what's trending. They do want stories but they want the right stories and the interesting stories and the stories that the people want. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing. I've put out a journal request for us when we were looking for some, um, like an expert advice on A-level results. Like, and I was really surprised at just how many people got back and how many people use the journal request hashtag on Twitter. Oh, definitely. But definitely. I, I have to agree, I think you need both at the same time because there have been moments where you think, oh God, you know, I'd love to have a contact at so-and-so, so-and-so. Oh, definitely. And then like it, it does and help, And you need the PR agency to be able to get to the people. You can find a journalist's number online, but it's not the same as actually using an agency who's got the database that knows actually that person left last week or, you know, to have yeah. the number and you know when they're available and it, it's, it's better to use the experts. Mm. And there's, know, is there, there. Nikki, as well, on that point, is there a trust element in there? Is, is there... Does the culture of, of brands trying to override the, the sort of PR, does, does that work? Do journalists still trust PR? Are they happy to kind of be fed from the horse's mouth, as it were. I, I think they're happy just to get the right story. <laughs> you know, if the story's good, 
you can have spokespeople from the, the client side, from the PR side, you know, the, but I think it makes sense for the brand really to be represented and managed and, you know, to have campaigns and to synergize it and work cohesively and so mm-hmm. that it all actually does have the right message and has the results the way that you guys get mm-hmm. it with your trending. I'm and, talking you know, about, I'm not, I suppose I'm not talking about the Unilevers here, the brands that have been around for ages, but the very new brands who have started on Instagram, new clothing brands, for instance, who probably think, I need a social media agency. I need to get to the press somehow, but maybe don't think I need to outlay that money or that that budget for a PR because everything I do, I can do on social. I can contact mm. people and I can do my own stunts and film. And if it's good enough, people should cover it anyway. Yeah. Well, definitely. And, and I think some of those brands, you know, they're right in that actually you guys do do the job perfectly, adequately and brilliantly for them that that they don't need that. The brands are savvy as well in that they want to switch their money to what's working or what gets to a bigger audience more effectively, more quickly, mm. and can sell through. You know, you can link, click through on Instagram now, you know, to buy your products. And that's what Marie Claire have done. You know, you can click through on their online site now to straight to the retailer. You What's know, your opinion so- on, on, on that situation as well? We've, you, know, you mentioned influencers there, yeah. but... Is there part of you that thinks, or you know, influencers have kind of pushed out this uh, process that worked so well, which you know, in, in some ways you could say is PR, and in other ways you could say PR print. I think I think it's brilliant. I think you know you can have young people, literally like some of the guys you've got working here, that can have a following that starts in their bedroom, turn it into a business, mm. pay their way through university, avoid their debt, and you know, have credible brands coming to them really quickly because they're knowledgeable and they're cutting through. I think it's brilliant. You know, I love influencers. I think PRs just have to move with the times that they can represent influencers. Mm. You know, I've I've gone from representing big corporates that I used to work for to entrepreneurs or people launching a book or, or someone who needs a live stage performance. You know, I've represented mm. Olympian athletes promoting sports health tech on a stage event or, you know, a radio event that's trying to get women's message across to broadcast or, you know, there's there's always an angle or a story. Mm. And I think the influencers do do an incredible job. And, that you know, some of them are fascinating, particularly the ones who aren't famous. You know, it's the same with the, the famous ones can go straight into the podcast charts and mm. launch a podcast mm. this week and go mm. into the charts next yeah. week. It's the non-famous ones like myself and others, you know, who are who are trying to turn it into a business and making that impact and that they make so quickly. PR. They definitely, yes, yeah. definitely, yeah. Give us a quick bit of PR. Like that would be fantastic. Because PRing yourself is harder. Yeah. But then you look at that Gemma Collins, um, who actually I did reach out to on Twitter, and she did reply, and I, I then retweeted it and said, "Wow, Gemma Collins is even replying about my podcast," but. She was number one in the podcast charts, yeah. you know, three weeks ago. I looked today, she's number 100 or something. It's mm. so quick. Yeah. It's frighteningly quick that you're here today and gone tomorrow. But easy for some, isn't it, to have that, like some stories that obviously going to like do well organically. Um, but I guess it's figuring out what the secret source is these days for the stories that aren't so obvious because everyone has something to share, like businesses or influencers. Everyone yes. wants something in the press or facing the public eye, but it's how do you turn something that isn't obviously 
um, a success into like front page news. Well, I, I think that's where the press actually is really relevant in that it extends the life of the message. So it can be immediate online, it can be quick, it can trend, it can disappear, it can be shared on all the social platforms, mm. but then the print can stay around and be framed and put in your office and mm. um, shared again. Um, and then podcasts and audio, you know, that obviously can can be repeated and shared and that keeps the message mm. going. So, Would you consider podcasting a, a PR channel now as oh, well? Oh, definitely. Definitely from reaching views, definitely from uh, from reaching a lot of people. If you look at what's happening in America, and this is something I'm about to introduce on our podcast, um, is that they're doing advertising, you know, to bring in revenue at the beginning mm. and the end of podcasts, but they're doing live reads in the middle, which is really exciting. And then you can talk about someone's brand in an authentic way as part of the show mm. rather than an immediate ad break and, and scripting yeah. it. So the brands have to be very brave. Let you say something as a host presenter, as we all are, um, about their brand that they're not in control of and they mm. might not like, yeah. but it's authentic and it yeah. might be with the guest and it, and it might be funny. And Russell Brand's been brilliant at doing it in America. Mm. And... And people want that now because they don't want to be interrupted and have a really serious. And that's why reaching the youth, you can't reach them on TV because they're watching Netflix. You you know, you can't, they don't want to read magazines or newspapers. So they are starting to listen to podcasts, particularly 15-year-olds. Mm. Plus, there's been a massive growth recently and it, it's massive in America and it always mm. follows here. And actually, that is a way to reach them. They do listen to the end now. They are more interested in podcasts. Um mm. Even my own teens recently have started, you know, listening to podcasts yeah. that they never have before. Yeah. Very interesting to me that PR is not just press, even though that's still like the first place that your mind goes, isn't it? But oh, definitely not. not press. It's it's basically unpaid for advertising. It's free editorial. Obviously, if it's in newspapers, it's instant. If it's in a magazine and you want PR, you have to plan it four months' time. It can't be something that's trending. Mm -hmm. You know, Christmas is done now for magazines. You know, we're we're. But does that put them at a disadvantage? Does that not make them? I don't want to say irrelevant because that's obviously <laughs> yes. not the case. But yes. can we live in a world now where you're planning things four yeah. months in advance well, when everything happens today? They still up. Well, they have to do the messages online that are topical. Yeah. So if you want your product today, and now we're in September, you must be talking about Easter and next summer. And yeah. if you're doing a product shoot, you have to put someone in a summer bikini now, even mm. if it's about to be the middle of winter. But the print becomes more your legacy gonna... sort of well, platform, it will I suppose, be, is it? It will be topical when it comes out sure. and, and you can predict mm. with awareness days or you can predict with occasions and films that are coming out and things that are f in the future. But in terms of a topical trending social media mm. campaign, yes, that's way gone. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to have a so bit of both, I think. We, we had a yeah. campaign shoot in the office the other day for Christmas and that, oh, that that's happening now, yeah. So mm. you're planning ahead already. Yeah, yes. yeah look at things. But I mean, this is, they've actually been printed, the magazines, for yeah. Christmas for most of the women's really magazines. Out. Wow. They will actually have been printed probably a month ago. But you're right, it's like all about yeah. being topical yes. when it when it lands in the public and then exactly. I guess they, they exactly. don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Exactly. They don't know it's been exactly. ready for six months. Nikki, exactly. I want to ask you as well because it's I think with PR, it's very easy to think of it, oh, it's just getting into the newspaper, but public relations at its heart is changing or influencing public opinion, isn't it? Definitely. Well, there's all sorts of different forms of, of PR. It, it's working, yes, with anyone that's a sort of stakeholder in the business, anyone that comes into communication 
with the business in any way, whether it's a consumer, a shareholder, you know, an opinion former, a, an ambassador, a leader, you know, anyone in the product operations, marketing, it, it's, it's anybody that has an association with that brand. And that's why the brand personality is so important and the brand message and the ethos and the culture that that is communicated in all communications. And some companies or individuals have all sorts of different random people sending mm. social media out, which I think actually if you're going to protect the brand, it needs to be managed in terms of actually let's all get one person doing it or several people doing it or as you do, you know, have a manager that does you it. Need a because then exactly. Then it's effort. focused, planned, you know, thought through and the message is the same. Yeah. I want to draw on your, uh, you know, illustrious PR experience now and talk about a brand that is obviously, uh, how how should we say, falling on the wrong side of PR, which is obviously Facebook. Um, So all of the many scandals that have come out about them from data uh, protection Mm. to uh, they recently received a massive fine. And I guess Facebook is one of those brands, like if it was a person, you could see it on the front of every tabloid, mm. couldn't you? They have seemed to shake the bad press and they seem to have done every remedy they can think of coming out with, uh, you know, uh, video campaigns. Exactly, to like, yeah. Out of home campaigns. They even put themselves in the newspaper, which is not very uh, Facebook. We want to know to... what you'd do, I guess, to Gosh. reverse the PR damage. I mean, that's the, that's the billion dollar question, isn't it? Gosh, well, you know, I wouldn't like to comment directly on their wonderful brand, which we all think gives out those happy messages. But I think keeping data private and compliant is is obviously imperative when you have access to other people's contact information. In any way, you need to keep that private. And sometimes, you know, people ask me for other people's emails or I know you've interviewed this person. Could I have their number? And you just think, actually, it's just not appropriate, you know, mm. in any way when you've got someone's information you need to ask them or be courteous or be careful with their information um and with you know the incredible amount of data moving around so quickly it's very easy to blame the big guys you know and put them in the media focus if things go wrong they have a responsibility they've got a a duty of care though exactly exactly and if they respond quickly and urgently and have spokespeople that come out and tell people what's going on and what they're going to do about it Mm. in with any of these companies that is that is uh, the way that they have to to handle it to reassure people you know do you not think they've acted fast enough with with that in mind nikki i'm just trying to think what you said about crisis management as well well this this you know uh, I don't want to directly comment about <laughs> about a brand like that, but no. in terms of speed with any brand of end, of coming back from anything is is really paramount. Not maybe not Facebook, but I'm I'm keen to know while while we've got you a a a, a brand, a sort of a hypothetical brand, yeah. that has made uh, some errors in terms of its uh, communication, in terms of its products and whatnot. Yes immense reputational damage yep. and essentially you know this, everybody mm. hates this brand how what's what steps where where's the starting point where you go and say right how can we turn the titanic around yeah. from hitting the can iceberg it be undone yes <laughs> really 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 hard i mean you know now i'm not re- luckily representing big companies in that way it's more sort of publicists with happy news stories and health and wellness stories <laughs> that i'm trying to communicate but i think it's it's very hard for the big guys, you know. They'd have to get someone like you guys on board to <laughs> literally take care of their reputation quickly and get a positive story trending really quickly mm. and do what Marie Claire has done that, 
you know, it could have been a story where people have said, well, what's happening to the jobs and the workforce? Mm. And, you know, what what actually is, is there going to be, are there going to be any magazines in the future? You know, mm. are we not going to have a newspaper? Could have been something that could have been very negative and they've turned it into a positive that yeah. they are moving with the times. They're offering something that's innovative. Mm. They're giving something back. They're giving the customers what they want. And that's what marketing is, ant- mm. anticipating what the customers want and satisfying that need profitably. And that's what the brands are all about, mm. you know. And if they mess up, then own it, you know. Take responsibility, get the right person, put them out there, get you guys to put them trending and <laughs> make a story that makes people feel better. Yeah. Because like it's that. Combat to, stories uh, with stories. It's back it's to that emotion. Definitely, definitely yeah. there's always so. a counter story for a story. And there's mm. always a for and against. And if you've got a brilliant, bad story on something, then find an expert who's got a brilliant, good story on something and then put the balance across because the media are meant to be impartial. They're meant to tell stories for and against. They're meant to give a balanced viewpoint on news. Mm. That's what it's all about. So if you have got an expert of a brand for a product, then find an expert about the story that you want to tell and give both of those experts to the media because you're doing them a favour, helping them out, giving them a story without them having to do the work Mm. and save time. You know, I've um, sat in on the production of Jeremy Vine's show in the production suite and the amount of stories and producers they have working on stories, just phenomenal, you know. It's brilliant. It's so fast. And they need information and experts all the time. Mm. All of the radio shows do. All of the news shows do. That's where we're at at the moment, though, isn't it? Because that's where almost the flaw is. And Eva told you, she spoke about this uh, recently, but where where we're at now with fake news. Mm. Yes. It seems to me that there's such a kind of, Everyone's scurrying at the goldmine of news that the yep. kind of, you know, not everybody can be the, the Guardian or a massive newspaper can be as stringent with, you know, exactly. detecting fact from fiction. Mm. Exactly. I mean, that's well, the downside of you know, social. It's giving, it's giving press uh, and but, news a bad name, isn't it? Well, we talked about how, you know, misinformation can be damaging to a brand and a company and it can, you know, ruin people's jobs or lives or companies or mm. reputations. It's all about managing that so that it doesn't happen yeah. with those. So even mentioned. even now, I think people, as a result of fake news, are so much more aware of the stories that are being fed to them. And even if something that uh, is true but perhaps sounds a bit like self-gratifying, uh, people are immediately on the back foot about it and get a bit more sceptical. Does that does that make a PR's job harder? Well, definitely. I mean, you know, no one I think really likes fake news. Um, and the damage, you know, can yeah, spread Donald Trump was faster a big fan. and wider. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Talks about it all the time. Uh, but if a story on fake news is done with humour and good faith and it's not offending anybody mm-hmm. and people can determine it's fake, then it is funny. And, the, and people are sort of curious as to thinking, is that actually... Yeah, something that doesn't quite sit right. Second, then that yeah. is okay, yeah. I good think. Fake news, good fake news. Good fake news. Yeah. Exactly. Good fake news that, that actually... Is are you in again? It's down to communities, micro communities, tribe. Are you in the tribe that yeah. that can see through it, or are you not? Sort of thing. It's funny then, that yeah, that yeah. used to be then the hope, sort of, I suppose, in exactly, PR. That yeah. exactly. call it, yeah. Exactly. Um, lastly, we're touching a final point briefly, Nikki. What is the future of PR in a social first world? You know, uh, we talked a lot about the present, but where do you see the future going? Where do you see? I think that you're obviously targeting everyone straight and literally into the palm of their hand, whether it's on newsfeed or social or magazines, digitally or podcasts, it's still a connection. 
which evokes a reaction and has to have a brand personality. And I think going back to emotion is something that is really important um, in terms of if you evoke a feeling that someone can relate to, whether you're smashing a stigma of something untalked about or something that makes somebody resonate with what you're communicating, then I think that that is the way forward for all communications, really, whether it's PR or marketing or social mm. media. It's it's helping the people help themselves. There's a you know crisis in mental mm. health. There's huge problems with debt and and uh, uncertainty for teenagers. And you know I've got teenagers myself, and it's just how can actually brands or messages or you know the way that Greta Thunberg and um, has has become an ambassador at such a young age. Mm. And she's got Asperger's. She's She has actually managed to champion 1.3 million people following yeah. her and spread a message, probably because people can resonate with the fact that actually she has Asperger's and she is saving the planet and she is doing something that people should set. This, these are our teenagers setting role models to adults to tell them actually... The, these are the people we should be listening mm. to. And it was, it was, was it? invoked it was more incredible. than one emotion yeah. in quite a lot of you people. Know, that is a mastery of PR and social. You, you know? mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that the lines kind of blurred between PR and social when, uh, obviously, when it first came around. Do you see those lines continuing to blur between different communications? Definitely. I mean, PR is, is, is reaching the public. Social media is reaching the public. You know, they are all reaching the public and they they both have communities. You know, social media has communities of people that follow tribes, whether they're following Instagrammers that they respect and admire or want to be, or influencers, or whether they're listening to a podcast that I've done on grief, divorce, or bucket lists, or whatever. The, these might be celebrities or people from the community, but they have been through stuff, and mm. they have survived and thrived. Mm. And that is a, a more hard-hitting emotion that will resonate mm. across any communication, PR like or social said, yeah, media. PR is just reaching the public. It's reaching people and touching them and saying, actually, making them feel something that makes a difference. Mm. And that's what some of the papers and print want to write about. It's journalists who are actually also trying to convey a message of emotion to reach communities and micro-communities for mm. people to feel comfortable with their tribe and where they belong and, and where they feel secure. And, and uh, if you make someone laugh or cry or feel something or feel angry or frustrated the way you do it on social media, or if you do that in PR and it trends and you carry that message through, then mm. I think that's the way forward. I was, was going to say we're better to yeah. mine emotion by social, but thank you very much, Nikki. It's Pleasure. been a, a, a yeah, ride through PR, so fantastic. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. <laughs>